Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I want to read from 2 Kings. If you have your Bibles, take them out and open them up, turn them on. 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, One day, the wife of a man... From the prophets called out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was. He was devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. Elisha said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, I I do have a little oil. Here's what you do, said Elisha. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all your neighbors, and not just a few, but all that you can get. Verse 4, then come home and lock the doors behind you. You and your sons pour oil into each container, and when each is full, set it aside. She did what he said, and she locked the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, another jug, please. But he said, that's it. There are no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. She went and she told the story to the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what's left. I came to preach a sermon that I've titled today, Lock the Doors. Lock the doors. Look at somebody and tell them, lock the doors. Lock the doors. Preach to somebody else and tell them it's time to lock some doors. Lock the doors. Elisha, what do I do? What do I do that the enemy is coming to take my children? Come home. And lock the door behind you. Come home. It's getting dark out there. Come home. Stay away from the evil one. Avoid evil. Get out of harm's way. Come home. Get your family and get inside and lock the doors. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but God says to you today, Impact Church, if you will close the doors 
and lock the doors on the enemy in 2024. I'm going to do miracles in your life that you cannot even imagine. I'm going to take that oil that's already in your life, on your life, and I'm going to make more oil in your life. And I'm going to double it and I'm going to triple it and I'm going to quadruple the oil, the anointing on your life. I'm going to pour out so much oil, so much anointing in your life that you are going to be swimming in oil that the goodness of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God. You're going to be swimming in it. Look at somebody and say, do you have your, do you have your floaties? Cause you're going to be swimming in it. You're going to be swimming in it. You're going to be swimming in it. So impact church, this is not only the year of the take back, but it is also the year of locking doors. Tell somebody lock the doors. Tell them again. It is the year of protecting and keeping what's already in my possession. It is the year of faithfully, somebody say faithfully, faithfully stewarding what God has already given us. Faithfully stewarding. It's not that I'm just taking back what the enemy has stolen from me, but I'm not letting the enemy take any more. I'm locking the doors. What I'm saying is that sometimes the enemy can sneak in and creep in and steal your stuff because you left the door unlocked. What I'm saying is that you made the enemy's job easy. You left the door wide open. You left the door cracked. You left the window unlatched. You got tired. You went to sleep. You you stopped paying attention. And so you left the door wide open and you're vulnerable. You got caught slipping. You, you got caught sleeping and all it takes is a moment of carelessness. One moment. Lock the door. Tell somebody again, lock the door. And do not open it. Because, listen, the devil is going to come knocking. And he's going to try to do everything he can try to get you to open the door. And he's coming and when he starts knocking and you look through that little peephole, (laughs) you're not, you're not going to see evil. You're not going to see a little red devil with horns and a pitchfork. 
You're going to look through that peephole as he's knocking. And you're going to see your greatest temptation. You're going to see not the face of evil, but the face of beauty. He's going to look like the answer to your question. He's going to look like that. Is this too hard for Sunday morning? Should I save this? This is. This is. He's going to look like that drug you used to struggle with. He. He. He's going to look like that woman or that man that's not your husband or your wife. Yeah, all the single people are like, oh. And all the married people are like, oh my God. And he's going to come knocking at your weakest moments. Because that's when you're most likely to open the door. He's going to come knocking at your most vulnerable, your most curious moments, your most isolated moments. He's going to come knocking during your brokenness, during your trauma. Because that's when maybe, just maybe, maybe you'll unlock and open the door. His first move, his first move is to try to get you to unlock the door and open the door. But if you pass that test, his next move is, is that he's going to try to break in. You cannot have enough locks on the doors of your house. I read this scripture last week. Most of you are familiar with it anyway, but I want to read it again. First Peter five, verse eight. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Let's read it out loud. Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. God, we thank you for this morning's message. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would preach to the depths of our soul today. We're starving for truth. We're starving for the word of God, the power of God, the rich anointing of God, the oil of God to be poured upon our lives today. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. He says, be alert. Somebody say, be alert. Be Be alert. Say it with some conviction. Be alert. Be alert and sober-minded. Listen, it is not like you're inviting the devil into your life. It is not like you have to give the enemy a formal invitation to come inside. He's already prowling around, looking around. Another translation of the same verse says... He's seeking whom he can devour. You don't have to invite him in. He's already trying to get in. He's walking around your house, you, your life, your marriage, your family. 
He's walking around looking for an opening, looking for an open door, looking for an unlatched window. You don't have to invite him in, but you do have to be alert. You do have to be alert. Because if you don't, listen, I'm going to preach a little bit. This is going to sound crazy because I'm going to be talking somewhat about the devil today. But I think we don't talk about the devil enough. If you don't understand your enemy, he will destroy you. This is about game planning and understanding. This is about being strategic about our spiritual life. This is about understanding the wiles, the tactics, the schemes of the enemy. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you have at one point or another not been alert. And you know you could preach this sermon that while you were away, the enemy snuck in. Did anybody feel that with me? Am I the only one? Am I preaching to myself? Am I preaching to anybody else? That while you weren't looking, the enemy crept in. That when you stopped going to church, the enemy came in. When you stop praying and reading God's holy word, the enemy crept in. While you weren't paying attention to your marriage, the enemy crept in. While you weren't paying attention and you took your eyes off of your child, the enemy came rushing in. It started out, it's just a couple of drinks. And now you're an alcoholic. It started out as fun and it ended in my failure. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, seeking, searching. Listen, the devil will morph himself and transform himself into looking like anything he has to in order to get you to unlock the door and open the door and steal your soul. I want to ask you, is this too hard for Sunday morning? Because he will transform himself into looking like whatever your weakness is. In scripture, Satan is defined a lot of different ways. He's described as a lion. He was disguised as an angel of light. Remember in the garden in Genesis 3, Satan appeared as a serpent to Eve. He didn't. He didn't look like the devil in the garden or Eve would have never got sucked in. The devil looked like another creature that belonged in the garden. I wonder today what creatures are in your garden that look like they belong, but they're actually there to destroy you. Man, 13 people, you clapping. I came to preach today. I'm going to get you all excited for God's word by the time I'm done. I wonder what's living in your garden 
that you don't even recognize that it's evil wanting to take you down. I want to read a little bit of this in Genesis chapter 3, and it starts in verse 2. And it says, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Yo, this is exactly what the devil does to you and I in 2024. The same thing. He tries to convince you that God's word is not what it is actually saying. Did God really say that, Eve? I don't think that's what he meant. The reason he said that was because if you do that... You're going to have life. You're going to find life. And he still does this. I mean, Adam and Eve, they're just minding their own business, enjoying the Garden of Eden. In the fall of mankind, the fall of Adam and Eve, Started with the devil knocking and it ended with them unlocking. And they're just enjoying life, enjoying the goodness of God, but not alert. Not alert. What I'm trying to tell you guys is that the devil is after you and everything about you. Adam and Eve unlocked and opened the door. It started with the knock. It ended with an unlock. Listen, hear me. There are some doors in your life. Listen, there are some doors in your life. That if you unlock the door and you open the door, you're going to end up locked up in a different room that you never, ever intended to enter. You'll end up locked in a room that you cannot get yourself out of. So you need to lock the doors. Woo. You need to lock the doors. Say it again. Lock the doors. Be alert and sober-minded. Look at somebody and tell them, sober-minded. 
Look at somebody else and tell them, pay attention. (laughs) Be alert is like when you're a man of God, you're a woman of God. I got my head on a swivel. I'm trying to do God's work, but I know that the enemy's coming after me. I'm trying to keep my head on a swivel. I'm looking. I got eyes everywhere. I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm listening. I'm I'm trying to figure out what the angle is on this situation. I don't want to destroy my life to you. I don't want to destroy my life, my family's life. I don't want to destroy my marriage. I don't want to destroy my children. I don't want to destroy my church's life. Man, my head's on a swivel. I got to look around. I got to keep paying attention. I got to stay alert. I got to have the eyes to see. Half the problem is we don't have the eyes to see. We don't have the ears to hear. Proverbs 20 verse 12, it says, The Lord has given us eyes to see and ears to listen with. He's not talking about your physical body. Got to be alert. Got to be alert. In the Old Testament, there's these very important people called watchmen. Watchmen. Watchmen were critical. Watchmen were guards who would stand on top of walls or towers, which is where we get the word watchtower. And their whole purpose in life, their whole job is to watch, is to be looking out for enemy attacks that could be approaching sneak attacks. These watchmen were responsible for protecting their territories, for protecting their people, their cities, their towns. Watchmen. And if they saw enemies coming, they had to warn the people so that they would be ready. God told the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I have made you, Ezekiel, a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word, hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. In the Old Testament, God said, my prophets are the watchmen for the people of God. Watchmen, watchmen, watchmen. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6, it says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, that they shall never hold their peace day or night. I put this in the New Living Translation as well so that maybe maybe you understand what it's saying. Oh, Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. They shall never Hold their peace day and night. Watchmen take no rest. Watchmen 
take no days off and they take no plays off. Man, I wish I had some watchmen at Impact Church for my life and for my marriage and for my family. I wish I had watchmen that were looking out after me. I know there's 32 of you clapping in a room full of 1,800 people, but let me tell you something. You're the right 32. You're the right 32. Because not everybody's called to be a watchman. Because a watchman means I'm an intercessor. It means I'm going to war in the spirit for my pastor, for my pastor's wife, for my pastor's children. It means I'm going to warn the people of God. A watchman is always watching, always warning, always warring, always praying, always interceding. And some of y'all don't even know what interceding means because you don't even know what prayer is. I know I come across probably way too tough, but, but there's lots of options of church out there. So if I'm too harsh, man, you know, there are full grown men in here, men, you're missed a tough guy in every way, except your prayer life. You, you, you can't even pray. You can't even pray out loud at dinner time with your family. You, you, you're in a business lunch. God forbid you say, excuse me, I'm going to pray. Is, 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 is there any single women in here? If you're a woman who's single, let, I want to hear you. If you're a woman who's single... Let me take a step far. If you're a woman who's single and on fire for Jesus Christ, let me hear you. If you're a woman who's single and is on fire for Jesus Christ, do not ever unlock the door to a man of God that's not on fire for Jesus Christ. Don't unlock the door. Don't unlock the door. Don't unlock it because if you unlock the door and you get into a relationship with the man who does not know how to intercede for your life, you're vulnerable. Your children will be vulnerable. You've got to have somebody. That is your lifelong spiritual partner. It is your soul mate. The Bible says that two become one flesh. If you are single and on fire for Jesus Christ and you want to turn into a lukewarm woman of God, find a man who doesn't love Jesus. Find a man who kind of goes to church. Find a man who got a tattoo about Jesus, but he knows nothing about him. Find a man. That's how, that's how you end up being an apathetic, lukewarm Christian. Watchmen take no days off and no plays off. The watchmen on the walls of the moment you stop watching, the moment you get caught slipping is the same moment that you unlock the door. Because if I'm not watching... I'm leaving you vulnerable. If I'm not watching, it is a matter of life 
and death. I can never stop. Watchmen could never stop watching. In Nehemiah, you had a man of God with a vision. His vision was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He really didn't just have a vision. He also had a conviction. And you can have a a vision without conviction. And that's a hallucination. (laughs) But when you have a vision with conviction, I have a vision with conviction. Conviction. Nehemiah was a man of God with a vision and a conviction to see the vision through. And the Bible says that as he and his people were rebuilding the walls of Jericho, the enemy came in. Of course, he did. But they were ready. And they were watching. And I love Nehemiah chapter 4 because it says that they worked with construction in one hand and they held protection in the other hand. I had a tool to build in one hand and I had another tool to battle in the other hand. It's like I got a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. And I'm ready. I got a trial, Pastor Darrison, in one hand. And I got a sword in the other hand. Pastor Darrison, get out here. I got a trial in one hand. And I got a sword in the other hand. And I'm building this wall. I'm building this marriage. I'm building this family. I'm building my babies. I'm building my business. I'm building my ministry. I'm building. In one hand, I'm building. But make no mistake about it. In the other hand, I'm ready to battle. Anybody that comes after it. Anybody that comes after me. I'm ready to build and battle. At the same time, look at somebody and tell them we need to build and battle. Come on, tell somebody. We need to build and battle. Tell somebody else. We need to build and battle. Come on, tell somebody. Tell somebody. We need to build and we need to battle. We need to build. But we need to be ready to battle. Are you going to fight for what's yours? Because I'm going to fight for what's mine. I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for my wife. I'm going to fight for my children. I'm going to fight for my impact church family. I'm going to build, but you better believe I'm ready to battle. And the Bible says about the Bible that it is a sword. That it is the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. Part of the way you battle with your sword is to know the word of God. Not to know about the word of God, but to know the word of God. You can't know the word of God unless you read 
and study and examine and meditate on the word of God. And then it says to be of a sober mind. Sober mind. Say that out loud. Sober mind. You know what? I want you to tell somebody. I want you to have some fun with this for a second. Look at somebody and tell me, you really ought to get sober, dude. Go ahead. Tell them. You really ought to get sober. Hey, look at somebody else and tell them, you really ought to stay sober. Like, let's just, you're going to get sober and stay sober. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be, be of a sober mind. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter, there's three different scriptures in that book that tell us to be sober-minded. To be of a sober mind. Listen, you cannot be fully alert unless you have a sober mind. You cannot be trusted as watchmen if your vision's blurry. And sober-minded, because I think because of like American culture and society, we immediately think of drugs or alcohol, but it's so much bigger than that. Sober-minded is so much bigger than that. To be sober-minded means in its simplest form that I'm able to think clearly. That as I look around through the lenses of Jesus that I can see clearly. Sober-minded means to be free. Somebody say be free. To be free of intoxication. I'm sober-minded. I'm free of intoxication. And so we think about alcohol and drugs. But intoxicated, intoxicated, the word itself means that toxins have entered in toxic aided intoxicated means that toxins have entered your body toxins have entered your mind toxins have entered your heart toxins have entered your bloodstream intoxication is a person who has been poisoned And you cannot be alert and be intoxicated at the same time. You cannot be alert and sober-minded with one not having the other. And what I'm trying to say today is you need to be careful Careful's kind of a weak word. 
you need to be insanely protective and secure about what enters your mind. About who is in your life, who is in your head, who you gave your eyes to, who you give your ears to. The Bible says it like this, guard your heart, guard your heart in Proverbs chapter four, above all else, above all else. Uh, above and there's a lot of all we'll get to that in a minute above all the things we guard guard your heart for everything you do flows from it man we ain't playing about guarding stuff we we got locks and alarms on our cars we don't trust nobody you're at church. You locked your car door before you came in. You're like, I don't trust no church people. Uh-uh. Just in case, man. We got locks on the doors of our homes. Alarms on the doors of our homes. Security cameras at our homes. We've got gate. We're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paradise Valley. We got gated communities. We are special. We've got guard-gated communities. And every time I drive up to a guard gate, you know my first thought is? I could smoke that guy right here, right now, and drive on through. They are not impressive. But we go ahead and pay the extra for that neighborhood. We are on lockdown, man. We got, we got... Everybody take out your phone for a minute. Take out your phone for a minute. Take out your phone. Take out your phone. I want you to give your phone to the person sitting next to you. Swap phones. Everybody just swap. I want you to swap phones. Swap phones for a minute. Swap phones. Swap phones. If you got somebody else's phone, put it in the air so I can see it. You got somebody. Okay, okay. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them your passcode. Tell it to them. Tell it to them. Tell it to them. Tell it to him. Tell it to him, man. Yeah. I'm not done yet. Now I want you just to go do whatever you want to do. Just if they have a bank account app, go to the bank account app. Just scan their face and jump on in there and see. Just, just, just creep on in there. <laughs> Some of you didn't do that last part. We, 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 we tightly secure the things of this world. We tightly secure the homes that we live in. But we leave the temple that God gave us wide open for anything and everything. To come on in. We'll watch whatever. We'll listen to whatever.
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hey, that's scripture, fam. Your body, I want to read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What price? What price? The blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. You are not your own. If you are a man, a woman of God, you are God's property. He paid the ultimate price for your life. The cross at Calvary. You are not your own. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Honor God. I don't have time. Chris, Casey, and Mont for an entirely separate sermon. But I think I'm going to have to give a little bit of it for just a moment. Therefore, honor God with your body. Man, that's a big one. That's a sermon. That's a book. That's an entire radio show. What would it mean to honor God with your body? Would it mean posting on Instagram with my booty hanging out? Is that, is that honoring God? Is that honoring God? God, I'm doing this to honor you. just got real right what what would it mean consuming junk food all the time is that honoring God mommy hit Taco Bell right after church it's right there man that bean and cheese burrito I don't even think it's real bean or cheese. (laughs) Honor God with your body. Would it mean listening to negativity all the time and consuming negativity? Listen, some of you live in fear because all you do is consume fear. Your drug of choice is fear. Your drug of choice is fear. You're going to go into withdrawals if I ask you for the next 30 days, turn off all news. I need to find out, are we in war? Hey, we have a service in the Eight, we have an 8.30 and a 12.30. So next week, y'all can maybe try those too. They're still full. They're just not. We like have no seats left in this middle service. I mean, praise God. Good problems to have. I see some of you in the back. 
sitting on each other's laps. God bless you guys. Man, honor God with your, some of you like on your Instagram, deleting them pictures right now. You're like, oh my God. Some of you think I'm crazy. That's okay too. You'll never see me post a picture of myself in a thong on my own Instagram. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. I will not show my belly button. It's, that's, that's for my wife. None of this is in my notes, so I got to, I got to <laughs> honor God with your body. Put a lock on your temple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to, I got to go back to it just for a minute. And I know I'm going to lose a lot of you. You're going to go find the church down the road next Sunday and that's okay. But I got to, I got to speak truth. I got to speak truth. I just, I want to say to all the ladies, but there might be some weird dudes too. So I just, I want to say. What? When you post a risque picture, my question is, what are you trying to accomplish with that? Attention. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. And listen, I'm going to tell you like this. You go fishing for men in the lust bucket hole. That's what you're going to catch. That's what you're going to catch. If a man doesn't like you covered up, you need a new man. You need a new man. Save that for your forever man. I didn't know it was going to be like this today. But, you, but I still love you. And you've got to lock the doors on your mind. Lock the doors on your purity. Lock the doors on lust, on greed, on pride. Lock the doors on insecure. You don't have to be insecure about who you are. God made you. He made you fearfully and wonderfully. He made you to be exactly who you are. I'm going to lock the door. I'm locking the door on fear. I'm locking the door on fear. I'm locking the door on anxiety. I'm locking the door. I'm going to close the doors. I'm going to lock the doors. I'm going to deadbolt the doors. I'm going to chain latch the doors. I'm going to put a piece of wood in my sliding glass door. I'm going to slide a sofa in front of my doors. You cannot have enough locks on your doors because the devil is a master locksmith. He specializes in picking locks. He specializes. He knows exactly how to pick at you and how to pick at your heart. And he is going to try to pick you apart. So you need to guard your heart. Most of us have safes in our home. I wouldn't give you my code to my safe. Ain't no way. That's, that's the, the, the stuff in my life that I need to protect the most. The safe in a home is the same as the heart of the temple. 
What's in your safe? What have you let into your safe? What did you put into your safe? Lock the doors. You can't wait till the thief breaks in to lock your doors. It's too late. I, I want to give you this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, 27. Look at this. It's short and sweet. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not lock the door. Close the door. Do not give the devil a foothold. The Greek word for foothold. Do you know what it means? The Greek word for foothold is opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity because if you give the devil an opportunity, he is going to take advantage of that opportunity. I have had so many failures in my own life. I hope I'm not the only one. I have failed time and time and time and time again. I wish I could say I only failed before I was a Christian. I wish I could say I've only failed before I was a pastor. I wish I could say I didn't fail this week. So many of my own failures have been because I left the door unlocked. Because I left the door unlatched. So many of my own failures that would never have happened if I did not put myself in that situation. If I would have never given the devil a foothold. If I would have never given the devil an opportunity. If I would have just kept the door shut and the doors locked. Don't act like you don't feel me on this. I know you felt that. Because you've done it too. You've done it too. You opened the door. You opened that door to drugs. You opened that door to alcohol. You open that door to lust. You open that door to promiscuity. You open that door to pornography. You open that door to prostitution. You open the door to crystals and astrology. That is not of God, by the way. Crystals astrology is not a Bible thing. It's not a Jesus thing. It's not a God thing. You open the door to that darkness. You did it. You shouldn't have put yourself in that situation. You should not have given the devil a foothold and opportunity. You should not have been at that party. You should not have been with that woman. You should not have been with that man. You should never have done business with that person. You got caught slipping. You left the door open. But guess what impact church? It is not too late to close the door. It is not too late to lock the doors. And it's not too late to walk through your house and lock every door and every window that you can find. I don't know if you remember the story of Joseph and Potiphar. You remember that story? The Bible says that Joseph was such a man of God that he found favor with both God and man. That's your goal in life. Not money. Not a big house. Your goal in life is to be such a man of God, such a woman of God, that you found favor with both God and man. And Joseph found favor with both God and man. So much so that the most powerful man in the world, Potiphar, put Joseph in charge of everything in his house. Everything. Joseph did a great job stewarding what was not 
his. Then one day, Potiphar's wife, let me just, the Bible says that Joseph, it, it says this, was well built and handsome. There's a reason it says that. Because then it goes on to say, Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph. That woman was thirsty. That woman today would be pulling up in his DMs. Joey. Did you see my picture with my booty cheeks hanging out? I know you like that, Joey. 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 Did you notice my hair, Joey? <laughs> you notice my hair? You notice my hair, Joey? And then she says, hey, Joey. My dude, Potty, he's gone right now. She says, come to bed with me. Sleep with me, Joey. Sleep with, that's what it says, sleep. I would say it differently, and you guys know how I would say it. That's not way, the way the Bible says. She says, sleep with me, Joey. But he refused. He refused. Wait, it gets better. She came, the Bible says, every day. Joey, did you see my newest post? It's actually a video. It's even better than a still pic. Day after day after day after day, and the Bible says, he refused and he refused and he refused and he refused and he refused over and over and over. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And then one day she got super aggressive. She threw herself at that man and grabbed him by his cloak. Sleep with me, Joey. And the Bible says that he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Listen, just because you live in for God doesn't mean the enemy's not knocking. In fact, it might mean that he's knocking even louder because he wants to take you down and your call down and your family down. And sometimes locking the door and guarding your heart means you need to run like absolute hell. Get out of this situation. Don't put yourself in the situation. First Thessalonians 5, it says, stay away from every kind of evil. It doesn't say flirt with it. Stay away from every kind of evil. James chapter 4, he says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Father, I pray for my church family right now. Lord, we 
thank you for your word and that you love us enough to even speak hard truth. Your word is filled with hard truth. We just tend to look at the soft truth. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful. We're grateful. I pray for everybody here today. Listen, I I want you to know that we've all screwed this whole thing up. Every one of us is Adam and Eve times a million. We have damaged our heart. We have polluted our heart. We have intoxicated our minds and our hearts. But I love this prayer in Psalm 51 verse 10. It's the prayer of David after he had this massive failure in his own life. And in Psalm 51 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Listen, no matter what your heart condition is today, God will give you a heart transplant. Scripture says in Isaiah in Ezekiel 36, it says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Today, God wants to give you a new heart. He wants to create a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, PT? I've never even given my heart to God. Well, you're going to do that right now. God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my heart. We say that. God, I give you my heart. Come on, say it out loud. God, I give you my heart. I give my life to you. Pray that. Pray that. I give my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you that I've been bought with the price that my life is not my own. Because of the blood you shed. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.